Financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year. And then the inflation data came out, higher than expected. Friends, this isn't going away. It can't. The U.S. is $34 trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher. So you can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation, and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They'll help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold, and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. Text STRANGE to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation with gold. Text STRANGE to 989898 now. The highly anticipated second season of the hit podcast Proof is finally here. Proof is an investigative true crime podcast co-hosted by Susan Simpson of Undisclosed and Jacinda Davis of Evil Lives Here. Proof made headlines for its first season in 2022 after proving the innocence of two Georgia men serving life sentences for murdering their friend Brian Bowling when they were just 17 years old. 25 years later, on December 8, 2022, both men were finally freed based on evidence unearthed by Proof. In the second season of Proof, Murder at the Warehouse, Susan and Jacinda are on the case again, this time traveling the streets of Manteca, California, to uncover who really murdered 18-year-old Rene Ramos. On June the 5th, 2000, Ramos's body was found buried under a pile of debris inside the shell of a new Home Depot building. Despite tips hinting at alternate suspects, tips that were ignored until now, Renee's boyfriend, 18-year-old skateboarder Jake Silva, and Ty Lopez, the 33-year-old uncle of one of Jake's close friends, were arrested and convicted of her murder. Fans of true crime and investigative series won't want to miss this riveting new season. Follow the case as Susan and Jacinda uncover long-overlooked evidence about what really happened to Renee by listening to Proof, Murder at the Warehouse, wherever you get your podcasts. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. On this episode, the inventor of a patented water purification technology reveals the bad news about our public drinking water supply. They don't want to tell people that all their water is contaminated. They don't want to tell the people that the water is causing cancer, kidney failure, liver failure. I mean, what do you do? You go into a city and turn all their water off? This podcast is supported by the Rock and Roll Twilight Zone. This Wednesday at 12 a.m., part two of my two-part series on Kurt Cobain. Was it suicide or was it murder? Check out my cool new podcast, The Rock and Roll Twilight Zone, which is part of the Jericho Network. If you love rock like I do, if you love tales of the paranormal, unsolved mysteries, true crime, bizarre synchronicities, I know you'll enjoy The Rock and Roll Twilight Zone podcast. New episodes every Wednesday at midnight, 12 a.m. Eastern. Available at Apple Podcasts and Google Play. The Rock and Roll Twilight Zone. Subscribe today. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs, 
Richard Serrett. Welcome to your Wednesday. I was just sitting here enjoying a, a glass of water and also reading this fascinating article about all of the things that we don't yet know about water. Did you know, for example, that at last count, there are 17 different kinds of ice or different crystalline forms of solid water? There may be two entirely different kinds of liquid water. And we still don't understand the precise mechanism by which water evaporates. We don't know why warm water freezes faster than cold water. And these are just a few of the things we don't yet know about water. You'd think by now we'd know everything there is to know about water. Heck, we can't even be sure if water is actually H2O. Water is fascinating. I, I recall, though, the work of Japanese researcher Masaru Emoto, who theorized that human consciousness has an effect on the molecular structure of water. The bad news is our water is contaminated. Uh, we're all familiar with the devastating water problems in Flint, Michigan. Tens of thousands of children's brains adversely affected by lead in the drinking water there. And that's just the tip of the iceberg, says my next guest. So let's dive in, shall we? Stephen Settlemeyer is the founder and CEO of Divinia Water. Steve has over 20 patents to his name. He's founded over five companies and was the youngest recipient of the National Science Foundation grant when he received it at the age of 16. Martin Marietta, NASA, and the Colorado School of Miners are some of the larger institutions he's worked for. Mr. Settlemeyer is a prominent inventor who invented the fiber optic television which is known as the predecessor to high-definition television. And under the mentorship of Dr. Rostrum Roy at Arizona State and Penn State, Settlemeyer has perfected the state of water with his latest patented invention. Steve Settlemeyer, welcome to Conspiracy Unlimited. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you, Richard. You know, it's amazing. I think I read somewhere where water is something like the third most common molecule in the universe. And yet, in many ways, we know so little about it. In fact, I read recently where we only just discovered why warm water freezes faster than, than cold water. It's hard to believe that, you know, something so common and we, we know so little about it. We know very little about it. And what's interesting, it, um, it is the most used substance on the face of the earth. People drink and use water more than anything else on the face of the earth. So not only in the universe is it the third most common, but it's also made up of hydrogen, which is the most common element in the universe. But here on earth, it happens to be the most used substance on the face of the earth. Sure. And, I mean, there's rainwater, of course, uh, and, and um, in, in lakes, but the water that, that comes up from underneath the surface of the earth, that's formed deep down in the earth, how does that, how does that come together? How is water formed inside the earth? Well, that's what's now very interesting and in, in starting to wake some scientists up. The old theory was that the earth got water somehow from an external source. Magically a comet hit it or uh, something happened that, that formed the water on the face of the earth. It's now more understood that 
actually, as you know, there's a nuclear fusion um, going on in the middle of the earth here. And what that does is it consumes and uses nuclear material, and then it gives off lighter materials. One of the light materials it gives off is hydrogen. And of course, as the hydrogen is the light gas and it's the plasma, it seeps up through the rocks, through the cracks, rocks and crevices and the molten lava, that sort of thing. And then also one of the de decays of uranium, plutonium and all the radioactive materials is also oxygen. So actually, oxygen and hydrogen are formed in the earth and they bubble up outside of the earth. Uh, for example, the the lava that's now spewing out of um, Kilauea in Hawaii. Yes. Very interesting. When that lava hits the ocean, it's creating hydrogen sulfide. And, of course, that hydrogen sulfide is very deadly. Ah. But, and that's why they people warn people away from it, but the hot molten earth when it hits water itself is actually creating the sulfide which is in the rocks and the hydrogen is coming from the water itself creating this hydrogen sulfide gas and so the earth creates all sorts of gases all the time sure methane gases everything else but one of the gases that made was hydrogen the other was the oxygen and you combine those two and you get water and water in its purest form, uh, where do we find that? Where can we find water in its purest form on the Earth? Well, the purest form is way deep down inside the Earth. And, of course, it percolates up. As it percolates up, it, it then becomes lakes and rivers and streams. And then because of the heating of the sun, that evaporates, goes up in the atmosphere and falls back down. But one of the, you want to talk about a conspiracy. I'll tell you a conspiracy. The World Health Organization has found out that there is no uncontaminated water on the face of the earth anymore, anywhere. There is no uncontaminated water. Part of it is because all the things that man have done, all the nuclear bombs we've released, all the chemicals we've made, that all gets lifted up in the atmosphere and then when it rains, it's then carried down with the rain. You've heard of acid rain. Yes. That's for years. It gets carried down. It's then carried down into all the streams and the lakes and the oceans, which then, because of the gravity, will sink down into our aquifers. And then we pump out of our aquifers with wells and bring that water back up. And in the meantime, we're also now contaminating all the aquifers. The, and getting back to my conspiracy, one of the things that the government has to do is they have to hide how bad the water is from you because they cannot shut off water to cities. It's just impossible. There was, I don't know if you saw the release um, on 621 where the EPA released the PFA report, which is the polyfluoroalkyl report. After the scrutiny of PR nightmare of conclusions, what they found out is that all Americans drinking water has to be monitored with much lower safety thresholds. 
And the reason they didn't want to do it is because they didn't want a, a, a PR nightmare. They don't want to tell people that all their water is contaminated. They don't want to tell the people that the water is causing cancer, kidney failure, liver failure. Uh, I mean, what do you do? You go into a city and turn all their water off? Uh, unfortunately, Salem, Oregon is experiencing that right now with the bloom that they have there, the algae bloom. Right. And they've told people, don't drink water. Don't don't wash in water. Don't wash your clothes in water. Don't bathe in water. And now they're trying to bring water from the outside. But here's Salem, Oregon, that they're telling people, you know, you don't do it. And we spoke to somebody there today, and they said the restaurants are starting to fail there because people are afraid of going in and drinking water there. Um, you know, it, it's just causing all this this major problem. So the government tends to want to hide from us, from our people. And I personally think it's the biggest conspiracy on the face of this earth. All governments are hiding the problem with our water. And they can't honestly tell people what's the matter with it. Down in Texas, Texas hid for almost five years that six million people were drinking radiated, contaminated with uranium water. And they let people for six years drink uranium-laced water. How did the uranium get into the water? Uh, by several different processes. One of them was a geophysical process where it just leached out of water and, and went into the aquifers. The other one was from the reprocessing and the um, mining of uranium and plutonium. And of course, anytime that there's a mining process, any place on the face of the earth where the earth is dug into and earth is brought up, that earth is radioactive to a certain extent. And then, of course, they use arsenic and everything else to leach out everything else, and they leave the tailings behind. And using these tailings, these big dumps outside of mines, or even copper mines, you've seen those. And then the water comes and washes all that stuff back down again into the earth, but it goes into our aquifers. So instead of being bound in the earth, into rocks, it then becomes a free form that can be washed out of the rocks and it washes into our rivers and our streams. And so the governments are hiding this fact from people. They can only do so much, they can only spend so much money on trying to make our water somewhat more pure. And that's why they chlorinate it because they have to kill all the the fungus and the bacterial growth in it before it gets to you. Well, that's a good question, is how much of the impurities in the water uh, can be uh, filtered out with a charcoal filter uh, or can be dealt with at the water treatment end of it? End of it. Actually, very little. What they do is they really focus on trying to get out the biological contaminants. And a lot of times they fail. Look at Flint, Michigan. They failed miserably, and they they faced everybody there with lead, which now made all those kids lower their IQs 
anywhere from 20 to 50 points. And those children will never recover. So they poisoned the whole town just by switching water supplies and leaching lead out of the pipes. And that's the other problem that we have is the infrastructure of the United States is very old. And when we first started settling this country and, and the city started growing, most of the pipes were made out of lead. And lead feeds still the major majority of the water supplies into American cities. And as you know, the, if you buy a house with lead paint in it, they make you go in and scrape everything off and you have to wear these bunny suits and, right. and you to take it to the dump and everything like this. There's a thousand times more lead in your water than the paint. And the paint is actually bound. You're breathing some of the fumes, but you're ingesting the lead by drinking it. So you're getting much more poisoned by your drinking water than you are living in a house with lead and uranium in the walls and asbestos. The water is far more worse. And that's the problem is that there is a major conspiracy of covering up our water. There's 80,000 chemicals in our water. 80,000? 1,000. The EPA tests for 40 of them. Because they know that a lot of the other ones will fail. This this one that I told you that um, the government's been hiding, the Trump administration told them to keep their mouth shut about it, and it actually was released under Freedom of the Information Act, document dumped by the Union of Concerned Scientists. And what they found out that the PFOA and PFOS in drinking water, which is the same stuff that they use for your frying pans, uh, you know, remember the frying pans, if you get them too hot, the birds die. Yes, um, the Teflon. Uh, the Teflon. Yeah, the Teflon, that sort of stuff. And, of course, that's all on your rugs. That's how they make it anti-soiled. That's what they spray on your furniture, your, your couches and everything like that. And they think it's six to seven times more than what humans can ingest or should be ingesting. How did that get in the water? Uh, well, Dow Chemical, number one, dumped a lot of it in the water. Number two is all these frying pans that were made. When they got thrown in the dump, they were damaged or, or um, uh, starting to flake off. You throw it in a dump, which is the landfill. It rains, it snows, and the snow melts, and it washes all that chemicals into our drinking water. Also, uh, all the clothes that you wear, wore. They put PFOAs on it to make them non-stainable. When you wash your clothes, you're actually putting PFOAs into the water. Oh, my Lord. You're not only putting PFOAs in when you wash your clothes, you're putting these nanoplastics into them now, too. Every time you wash your clothes in a washer, you're putting contaminants in the water that are now nanocontaminants, chemicals, that goes into the drinking supply, into a river somewhere, which is then uh, percolates into the uh, aquifers. And then the city draws either out of the aquifers or out of the river. They can't filter that stuff out, and you're ingesting it now. Hi there. I want to tell you about a podcast I know you're going to love. 
It's called The Dead Files from Travel Channel. On The Dead Files, Amy Allen and Steve DeShavi investigate the paranormal activity haunting real people and homes across the United States. Amy and Steve come from totally different perspectives when they investigate. Amy's a medium. She sees and speaks to dead people and uses this skill to find out why someone might be haunting a place. Steve is a retired homicide detective. He tackles the case from the other end of the spectrum and uses public records and witness accounts to piece together the history of the haunted location. On every episode, Steve and Amy investigate a different, real haunting to help the family struggling with its effects. On one episode in Falconer, New York, a family keeps waking up with scratches and bruises. They also see a shadow figure lurking around their home. They call Amy and Steve to investigate. Amy uses her strength as a medium to understand who the presence is coming from and why it's so angry. Separately, Steve finds out the history of the house from the townspeople and in public records. He finds that several people who lived in this house died, which matches Amy's findings. At the end of the episode, Steve and Amy share their findings and make a recommendation on whether it's safe to stay in the house or time to get out. There are so many crazy stories on the dead files, and what's interesting about Amy and Steve is that they investigate the hauntings from two totally different perspectives. You listen to my podcast because you love tales of the paranormal. But if you want more, listen to The Dead Files wherever you get your podcasts. What about, okay. re- what about reverse osmosis when you take water out of the air? Uh, well, reverse osmosis um, actually is forcing water through a very thin membrane. And because of the different pressure, um, some of the chemicals were, will move through. through. Uh, reverse remote osmosis only does a certain uh, amount. Any chemical that is smaller than water, the H2O, will be able to go through. So you might be able to pick up um, maybe 20% or 30% of the chemicals with that. But also remember when you do reverse osmosis, it separates it into two water streams, okay? One is a good water stream, better water stream, I'll say, that you drink. The other is a bad water stream, which still has all the stuff, but now more concentrated. Well, where do you think that water now goes? Goes back into the earth again. Right, right. And so now what you have done is concentrated what's bad and dumped it back into the earth again which makes the water that you drink even more polluted. This is pretty dire stuff. And yet, um, and yet, you know, lifespans continue to increase. Um, I mean, wh- why are we not seeing the ill effects uh, in population, in, in the North American population? I mean, we're, we're living longer and longer. Uh, yeah, but we are seeing the mass effects of it. People are getting heavier and heavier. You know, what people are contributing to the sugar, and sugar, yes, is a part contributor of it. But the other thing is you're damaging your liver and your kidneys. The liver and kidney disease in the United States is skyrocketing. Over 130 million people right now are in some sort of liver disease, chronic liver disease. 130 million people wow. have chronic kidney disease. Most people, though, don't realize it till you get older. I mean, th- this isn't instantaneous. This is years and years in the happening. 
But I don't know if you know, the life expectancy has now dropped by about three to five years over the past couple of years. Um, the life expectancy hit a peak and now it's coming back down. And people are starting to live shorter. One of the, the other thing that's happening right now, people are getting more and more on medication. You take more medication to offset what's happening to your liver and your kidneys and your other organs. The pharmaceutical companies have a model, where, and the model is is five by fifty. The five by fifty is mean they want you on five prescriptions by the age you're fifty years old. So back when when um, we didn't have automation as much, and of course we didn't have as much pharmaceuticals, the average was uh, the fifty year old was on 0.5 pharmaceuticals. Now a 50-year-old is on over seven pharmaceuticals by the time he hits, hits 50. That I can believe, sure. They have, the time yeah, they have all of, uh, they have, if doctors had their way, every male would be on one of these statin drugs. Yes. Uh, Lipidor and all of these different anti-cholesterol uh, drugs. Um, that's certainly part of it. Okay, so the, the situation is dire. The water's bad. Uh, then, and how did you then uh, um, uh, get involved in water, water purification? Well, I, you know, I, it, this is an interesting story. I was the skeptic. <laughs> uh, I was a scientist, and I said water is water. It's H2O. Turns out water probably is an H2O. But... Um, you know, the basic molecule is probably H2O, but as people like to put it, Dr. Pollock especially, that it's a social animal. And instead of being H2O, it might form different groups like H3O2 or H4O5. There's a whole bunch of different clusters that possibly could happen. Hydrogen and is a very gregarious molecule. Oh, yeah. It's unbelievable. In fact, your body wouldn't be alive without hydrogen, period, nor oxygen. So how, how did I get in this water? Well, my wife liked to drink bottled water. And I didn't. I, I said, tap water is good enough. I don't understand why you have to have it. It's maybe bottled water from France, and it tastes different, or it has different minerals in it. But, you know, basically water is water, is what I said. So um, she was spending, you know, money when we went out to a restaurant for bottled water when they brought us tap water and put it on the table. I said, drink the tap water. No, I want, you know, this mineral water from France or whatever. So I said, okay. I said, and I said, why? And she says, well, it's better water. And I said, well... It's not really been proven. It's, you know, no one's really looked at water. But here's what I'll do for you. I'll go out and I'll get a very good distiller. And we found a distiller. It was a distiller that had been used in hospitals. And they were also using it in automobile showrooms for high-end clients because the high-end clients liked good water and they liked the taste of this water. And they didn't like the taste of the tap water. So I bought her one of those, and the thing kept breaking down 
due to its nature and over three years it probably broke down 30 times one time we had a repairman out and they fixed it and it broke down an hour later and it was breaking down because it had the usual heating elements uh, even the same heating elements you have in your water heater but it was eaten through these things I mean these were pieces of of steel and copper that it just ate right through and I went well you know if it's eaten through metal by by trying to purify it then what is it doing in our body what is in that water so being an inventor I came up with a way of heating the water and subjecting it to an electromagnetic field whereby the water didn't touch anything it was in a glass pyrex vessel and the electromagnetic field was introduced from the outside of it. So we did that, and I had some idea on the, the geometrical arrangement that I was doing that maybe it might help the water faster, heat faster, and maybe it might change it somewhat. So we tried it out for a while, and, and we noticed that it was dissolving plastics. I couldn't use plastics around it anymore to bottle it um, because it would just, after a period of time, anywhere from weeks to months, the plastic would just dissolve. So, um, but Wh my why was the plastic dissolving? Because of the water that I made. Uh, it's a very aggressive water. Aggressive and water. That's yes. that's a term we <laughs> you don't often hear. How can water be aggressive, Stephen? Well, water is the uh, best um, solute for dissolving everything. Um, if you look at the Grand Canyon, the Grand Canyon is has the canyons because of water. It dissolved it, and water basically dissolves everything. Um, and part of it is because of the hydrogen-oxygen bond. Uh, it tends to be very aggressive in trying to grab other chemicals away and break the bonds up and dissolving it. So water is aggressive. It, it dissolves everything. Give, give a couple billion years and it makes a very deep hole. So, so that's also why water can become impure is because the hydrogen is grabbing everything. Exactly. That is exactly what happens is water becomes impure because it dissolves everything. Even when it's, it's a form of um, gas like it is in the atmosphere and there's any contaminants, any gases that are up in the atmosphere – it grabs onto those those and washes them down. That's why we had acid rain. All the carbon uh, carbon monoxide and the, the sulfurs that we put into the air from all of our industrial endeavors, from all the cars, from everything that we did, went up into the atmosphere. You see these big coal plants. They're putting up hydrogen sulfide into the atmosphere. But guess what? Water comes along, grabs it, washes it down out of the atmosphere, and we have acid rain. 
and as you know, acid rain kills a lot of plants and everything else. Right. So um, this dried paints. This aggressive water. Uh, it became aggressive because what were you doing to it exactly? Well, I made it pure. <laughs> what I did was I I took all the contaminants out of it, and then we put it into an electromagnetic field, a vector field, and we rearranged the hydrogen and the oxygen bonds so that the hydrogen is more available than normal, now contaminated water. So we, we like to call it, we renatured water. We brought it back to what it would have been billions of years ago. So what are you doing? Realigning the, the nuclear orientation of the, of the hydrogen molecules? Yes, exactly. What, what we're doing is there's a bond where the oxygen holds on to two hydrogens. And of course, there's a lot of different aspects to it where those bonds stretch and they rotate and twist and everything else. And what we did is we realigned those so that they're in alignment, just like light in a laser beam. And what we did is we added some energy into it to make the hydrogen more available, bioavailable. Why would you want to make hydrogen more available? Isn't it its availability that, that leads to the impurity? Yes. It's also that same function that when you drink pure water in your body, it takes the impurities out of your body. It removes the heavy metals out of your body. It removes the contaminants. It removes the plastic. It, it, if you've got plastic stuck in you, if you've got plastic in your liver or your kidneys, it dissolves it right out. And that's the same water that your body likes. Your body likes pure water. It's not real happy with contaminated water. That's what causes all your organs to misfunction. So, and, and remember when water is just not for us for drinking too, all contaminated water thus um, waters our plants that we eat, the cows that we use for meat, the chickens, the birds, the turkeys, whatever it is, they all drink contaminated water too. And so their meats and everything else have the same problems that we do. We butcher them and we eat it, and we're drinking this, we're eating the same problem that we're trying to prevent. But when that gets in your body, then it releases these unpleasant um, byproducts of contaminated water. When you put in good water into your body, your body is smart enough and intelligent enough that it knows to dissolve those and get them out of you. And that's why people that have been drinking this water that have had problems have returned back to normal, functioning again. In another reality, Richard is a very strong and handsome man. Just not in our reality. Although I heard somebody passing him in the hall the other day, and it was, good, good, a handsome man Richard is. I made that up. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Stephen Settlemeyer is here, the CEO of Divinia Water. So once you drink this water and these hydrogen molecules are are looking to grab onto anything, particularly these impurities, the, the water then becomes 
impure, but it's attract, it's, it's leached out all of the impurities from your body. It goes into the water and then the water is flushed out of your system. That's correct. That is correct. And, and your body knows, I mean, that's basically why you urinate or right. you, uh, the feces, that your body is eliminating toxins. The leftover uh, remnants of chemical reactions it flushes it out, and it knows it. But once those those organs that control that, your kidneys or, or your liver become contaminated, and they can't function anymore, then that stuff stays in your blood, and there's a feedback system that makes it even worse. So the the, the what are you doing exactly to it again? You I mean, are you are you hitting it with a square wave, or what are you doing to re? So, orient the, the the spin of the molecule yeah and that's exactly what it is it it has to do with the geometry of the electromagnetic wave that i'm putting in and it has to do with the in physics there's something called the right hand rule uh where the electric wave is in one direction and the magnetic wave is in another direction and when they're in just one direction and they're not scattered that's called a vector, vectorized, a scalar vector form. And that's what we do is we hit it with a scalar vector form that's unidirectional. In, in other forms of magnetic radiation, it, for, say, a radio tower, it broadcasts in a direction, but then it hits things and it becomes scattered. And that scattering makes chaos. It's a chaotic situation not with ours the the water is subjected to this vectorized electromagnetic field and it reorganizes those spins so you've got to get that aggressive water into a sealed glass container awfully quick before it starts grabbing impurities out of the air that's correct we do it's it's a sealed process from there so once we do go it, it goes into a a stainless steel tank of special stainless steel, and then it's pumped in and it's bottled. And uh, usually that water is used within a day or two. And um, so that would rule out because once again, once you create, once you reorient the 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 pool, the the um, the orientation or the spin. Um, and these hydrogen model molecules become very grabby. Uh, I mean, in other words, you couldn't do this, you couldn't be hitting it with the wave, let's say at the water treatment plant, because by the time it gets through the pipes, it's already grabbed all the impurities again. You have to be, it has to be done locally, like um, it can't be, yes. it's gotta be decentralized in other words. Yes, exactly. Exactly, because what did it do? It flush all the, the impurities out. One of the things we did is we used it to uh, supplement gasoline in a gasoline engine. And uh, for a, a washer, uh, we were able to use 80% of my water and 20% gasoline and run the engine. And, sure, because but, of the hydrogen molecules is acting as a an incendiary... Exactly. device it's exploding the the unburned gas molecules yes the only problem we had with it is we had to change the filter of the gas tank three times 
because all the gunk that had settled in the bottom of the gasoline tank and all the the stuff that was on the form on the side of it kept getting dissolved by the water. Sure. Gasoline didn't dissolve it, but the water did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you go through a lot of spark plugs that way, too. It's, yes. <laughs> um, so how are you going to save the world, Stephen, with this technology? How are you going to bring clean water to the world? I mean, you're, you're one bottling plant in, in Idaho Falls. There's 7 billion souls on this earth. And, and um, how are you going to do it? Well, we've designed these systems to fit into shipping containers. And so a, a typical 8-foot by 20-foot shipping container. And so we can package our systems into these things, and we're going to be starting to ship them. In fact, we had an inquiry today from Salem, Oregon, and we're going to start talking to those people there. They would like to start processing their own water and distributing their water through their city. Uh, they also want to run it through some of their restaurants and and uh, coffee shops and that sort of stuff. But what we plan on doing is having these containers available for all the different cities. And then people, or us, our organization, will set up a local processing plant and be able to process the water. And contrary to Nestle's or any of the other people, we're not going to come in and pump your aquifer and then ship it 100 miles or 200 miles or 1,000 miles away. What we would do is use the local water there. We clean it. We actually clean it 100 times better than what you gave it to us. And then we, we package those contaminants so they can't get back into the earth again. But we give you clean water, and that helps even clean up the local area. But we only use the local water. Okay, and but because, let's say you go into a city of, I don't know, how big is Salem? 200,000 people? Yeah. So, I mean, how many, because your water goes into glass bottles, and it can't be, it can't be plastic. I mean, how are you going to churn out enough drinking water to supply a city of 200,000? I mean, and you, where would you get the glass bottles, first of all? Well, the one nice thing about glass bottles, they're recyclable. 100% recyclable. Sure, sure. The other thing is glass is very eco-friendly. If you don't want glass around, there's a couple things you can do. You can use it, grind it up and use it for beaches, if you want beaches. <laughs> that's true. Uh, well, that's what the Arabs are doing right now over in Kuwait. That's how they're forming their islands now. And they have some real pretty ones. They're making colored ones now. Oh, interesting. But again, oh, yeah. but, I mean, one of these units, I mean, how many... How many liters or gallons of water can can one of these churn out a day? Well, right now we're very limited because we can only do about six gallons per day per processor. However, we have an improvement where we can recapture some of the energy that we use and make it much more efficient so they'll do 60 gallons a day. So just one of our processors would be able to do 60 to 100 people per day, depending upon how much water that people drink and what's the price unit on one of those units uh right now they're about five to ten thousand dollars okay so you'd need i mean how many of those would you need to, to for for one city one medium-sized city uh probably a couple hundred of them at least yeah all right so still but, that's but a that, couple hundred times five thousand that's five hundred thousand 
Yeah, it's cheap. Yeah. I mean, a processing plant, they built a processing plant to remove arsenic from the city that I moved from in in uh, Arizona, Paradise Valley. They had 1,900 people. They had to spend $30 million, $30 million to remove arsenic just from that drinking water. Are these, are these machines, are they easy to maintain? Yes, they are. And because it's glass and, and with the proper maintenance, you get you can get anywhere from five to ten years life out of them. And then to refurb them or to redo them again, it costs about $50. So it's conceivable that every household would have one of these at, one, at some point. No. No? And the reason the households can't is because I have to send medical grade water into them. Because these things remove everything. They remove, uh, I'm telling you, everything there is in the water. We put medical grade water in, so to get to that point, we have to have 15 to 16 filters in front of it, which includes reverse osmosis, distillation, deionization, ozone, and UV to kill everything and remove everything before it gets into my processor. Because if you were to take regular water and put it in my processor, within three hours it would be gunked up. And you've heard of nanoplastics now in drinking yes. water? Yes, oh yes, yes. And all, all plastic bottles now have a large amount of nanoplastics in it that you're drinking. And um, so, after we even get this to medical grade water and removed as much as we can, we will then pick up nanoplastics in my processor, the, the last nano, nano, nano particle in there. And it, it <laughs> puts a film on it that we have to take out and clean off and then reuse the vessel again. But it gets, it gets hormones out, all the endocrines, all the pharmaceuticals that are dumped in your water, all the plastics, all the uranium, all the radiation. There is nothing in this water. It is pure H2O. All right. So Salem, is uh, is that going to be sort of the test market for this? Uh, they're very interested in it. We, we actually talked to Flint, Michigan. Ah. Would, would, would it literally get the lead out? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it would have returned all the children back to normal. It would have restored their IQs. However, um, Nestle went in there, and the city government, and there was some, they gave them $100 million worth of water. And our processors would have cost, to help these people would have cost about $30 million. And for some reason, they wanted to spend a hundred million instead of thirty million dollars. <laughs> They'd love to spend. Listen, how? Do, in the meantime, you, you sell bottled water. Yes. Uh, how, how do we? How do? How do people order that? We saw through our website right now, Davinia, www.daviniawater.com. And so, if they go to our website, we're actually putting. Uh, I think last count we put 50 scientific papers about our water up on the web page, but there's also an ordering web page, and and people can buy anywhere from 12 bottles to 
uh, a prescription or a subscription where the people actually will subscribe to it and get a, a shipment every week for their family all the way to you can buy a truckload of water. Any plans on uh, ex- to expand uh, your, your bottling operation? Yes. We are um, right now in the process of doing some capital raise that uh, we are going to be moving into different cities to expand it. Uh, right now, here, out of this one, uh, we are going to expand this plant here um, by a, a matter of over 100 times. Uh, we'll be able to produce 100 times more water than we do out of here. Then we're going to start moving into cities. Um, right now, Salem seems to be willing to talk to us, so uh, they'll probably be the first on the, the uh, list. Then we're looking at L.A., uh, we're looking at San Francisco, San Diego, then we'll start hitting the major cities, Salt Lake City, uh, Denver, Dallas, etc. All right, Steve, pretty exciting and uh, couldn't come a moment too soon. Thank you so much for this. Steve Settlemeyer, CEO of Divinia Water, and it's DiviniaWater.com, D-I-V-I-N-I-A, Water.com. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Richard. As always, it's a pleasure. Likewise. Wow, he's a keeper. He's doing the Lord's work, and we will have him back on. Now, before I dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs, here's what's coming up on episode 91 of Conspiracy Unlimited. Inventor Aaron Murakami reveals his secret to creating synchronicities. Until next time, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant petting. 